Well, good morning. You guys, summer's going pretty good? Okay, these guys are excited. Not so much over here. Rough summer. Um, man, it's so good to see you guys. Welcome to our Family of God series, where we're just talking about God's family. Like, it's, God's family isn't a corporation. It's, it's not a business. It is a family. And so we're just really digging into that. How do we join the family? How do we help build the family? And how do we grow in the family together? Um, I wanted to take a moment, uh, a more sober moment, um, in light of the shootings that have happened. If you're not aware, um, within 14 hours of each other, there were two shootings in Dayton and El Paso. And those communities um, are, I'm sure, just grieving and completely rocked right now. So I want us, I want us to um, pray for them together and stand with those families and those communities and pray for God's grace in them. Would you bow with me and pray for them? Heavenly Father, we just, um, we just acknowledge that we are in a broken world and the actions that have happened are evil. We want to make sure that it's so clear and we haven't grown numb. Lord, would you keep us as a, as a country, would you keep us as individuals from growing numb to uh, the violence that, that uh, occurs in our country and in our communities? And Lord, we ask uh, Jesus, would you heal? Would you come and be present? Uh, Lord, I, I pray that, that, that people would, would feel deep convictions to love more and to love better, not just with words, but with actions. Lord, I pray for less rhetoric and I pray for more actions of love. Father, be with those families who are grieving. Let them know your presence. With the people who are wounded and hurt, would you give guidance and, and, and um, power to those who are part of their healing process, to the doctors, EMTs? Would you be with the first responders? And Lord, we just pray for that situation. We ask that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. It's hard when we, you live in a broken world and you can be in the middle of summer and amazing things are happening and then you open up you know, the newspaper, you flip on the phone and you see the brokenness in our world. We really live in a broken world and, and God's answer to a broken world was the family of God. He said, I'm going to create a family that is going to do life differently and I'm going to take a bunch of broken people and teach them how I want my family to be, how I want it to be on earth as it is in heaven. So today, what I want to talk to you guys about is being a spiritual family, a spiritual family, a spirit-led family. Now, whenever I talk about spirit or spiritual, some people, like you might not be a Christian or you're a new Christian, some people love talking about spiritual things, like they see and they sense and they, and they believe, like there's so much that's spiritual in our world. Now, there's other people who have been raised or taught or grown up. Just the, the way they, they view the world is, is from a, a, a lens that just says all that exists is the material world, as Madonna might say. It's, it's the material things. It's like it's the, the formulas and the things that you can, that you can uh, prove or do experiments on and, and see provable over time. And that's what exists. What do we mean by spiritual reality? Um, the interesting thing is that when Jesus came to earth and his teaching his ethical spiritual teaching was so clearly teaching that that human beings are unending eternal spiritual beings it flies in the face of a lot of uh modern thought but he but when we think of spiritual things the way i i I would really encourage us especially today is that god's spirit is his empowering presence 
in the world. That God's hand, even though it's hard for us to see it and know it, like obviously sometimes is at work in the world. And it's, it, it's the things of, if we're going to try to fix brokenness with broken answers or answers that are only uh, answering the physical realities, we're not going to really get to the answer that the world needs, that, that there's a spiritual component to the answers of the brokenness of the world. Are you with me? And that is so important that we understand that, like, how, how, what formula can you use to explain love? What formula can you use to explain joy? You know, how can you measure that? How do you explain that? How do you explain the purpose of living? Just living. Why, why do we exist? And so spiritual answers are the only things that are going to really help spiritual brokenness. So I'm going to talk to you guys about being a spirit-led family, and a family has values. How many of you guys have family values? How many of you guys know what those family values are? Like, these are the values. How many of you guys know what they are in your gut, but you can't, like, you couldn't, like, explain them. You just know this is how our family operates. This is what we do. Let me let maybe uh, give an example with my family. My, I had a proud dad moment the other day. My son, it started off as a not proud moment, but then went proud. Uh, my son, who's almost two years old, uh, my wife gave him oatmeal and was starting to feed him, and he grabbed it because he can feed himself now, and he starts eating it, and he puts a big, you know, big glob of oatmeal in his mouth, and then he spews it out. He goes, no, mama, more meat. <laughs> and it was in that moment, I was like, I was proud. I was proud because there's like, it resonated with me, like this is a Bedlian value. Meat, there's a value. Let me tell you where that, that value comes from. My grandma Novella, uh, she was, her family uh, of origin was from like the deep south. They moved to Ohio, but she grew up learning how to cook southern food. And southern food always has some meat component, usually fried, lots of meat, okay? And, um, and so she, she raised her family cooking meat. Um, back in the 90s, my brother was pro- probably four or five. He was, he was young. Uh, my grandma came for a visit and... Um, and my dad had been on this weird diet like in the 90s where it was like no meat and no bacon. No bacon. So my brother for like a year and a half or two years, most of his like aware life, he had never had meat. And my grandma was connecting with him the way she'd connect with the boys and comfort her boys and comfort her grandkids like if they were having a hard day or whatever, she, she would cook for him. And Evan was having a hard time and she's like, let me, let me make you some bacon. And he goes, Grandma, what is bacon? And she's like, What? child you know she was like you are you messing with me no I don't know what bacon is and all of a sudden she stomped she wore clogs boom 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 stomped in the room my parents she's like what son of mine would raise a grandson of mine that doesn't know bacon how does he not know what bacon is and my dad's like yeah I've been on this diet she's like you're what you're on a diet he's like yeah I'm not eating meat are you kidding me she was so mad because it was like running against the, the value of meat and, and eating together in our family. If you guys have similar values? How do, you know, how do you know what your values are? How do you discover your values? What you love? You know, in your family values, what do, we, what do we love? What do we love doing? What do we, and what do we not love? One of the best ways to find out your values is to have someone trespass your values. 
like my grandma coming to a house with her son in it that she had raised to love bacon and meat, all of a sudden not, you know, eating meat. Like if she, if my dad had said, I'm a, I'm a vegetarian, or I'm a vegan, like that would have been like, you're not a Christian anymore? Like she wouldn't have understood. <laughs> it was deeply ingrained and spiritual to our family. And um, when someone violates or transgresses and trespasses our value, that's when the values really come out. You ever had someone stay with your family or, a, or like a new like someone marries into the family and they're like, they don't know the rules yet. And you don't even know how to explain the rules. You just know when they're not doing it. And you're like, no, that's not how we do it. That's not how we set the table here. Or like, if you have like the super orderly value in the family, like that's not how we put the dishes away. We do this first and that first, and we shut the cupboards here. And um, whatever it might be, the, the, the family values, or we spend time, to, we do everything together. Your family might have been more individualistic, so they go do things on their own together. But values start to come to the surface, especially when they're transgressed. Why are values important? They guide us, right? They guide us. Well, before we go any further, what, just really quick, what are a few family values that you'd say like this is an important value in our family. Like, if we don't have this, we're not a family. Like, what, is, what are some big values for your family? Any values? We have valueless people? Yeah, right here. Communication, fairly important. We don't like that as much as meat, but um, it's still, that's a worthy value. What else? Honesty. Um, respect. No, we don't like that one in our family either. <laughs> yeah, res- Respect. Honesty, being able to be truthful with one another. What else? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. In my family, that would be a very important value. Forgiveness. Eating together. together. Now you're talking my language right here. We all have these values, and they're at different levels in our families, but values are so important. The reason I want to discuss values today, of being a spirit-led family, is um, basically you can... If you, if you have values or you don't have values, it's basically like being a thermostat versus a thermometer. So uh, I discovered that we had a thermostat in our old house. When I first got it, we had a thermostat that had an air conditioner. And it was amazing. And I could turn up the heat and I could turn down the heat. And it was glorious. And then my wife discovered that we had a thermostat and it just got really expensive from there. Like she was pregnant during one of those seasons in the summer and man, she was keeping it cool in the house. But a thermostat um, sets the temperature of the room. A thermostat sets the temperature of the house. A thermometer, well, the temperature sets uh, the level of the thermometer. It determines the thermometer. It's guided. Like the, the temperature of the room guides the temperature of the thermometer. And there's many people like that wander through their life and they're either a thermostat or they're a thermometer. And people are kind of like, if they hit hard times or they hit something that's a temptation, like the value goes out the window and I'm going to do this because they just rise or, or, or they lower their expectation, their value, what their conviction based on the temperature of the room, what's convenient, what's best, what's easiest. Thermostats, families and individuals who operate like a thermostat, they hold to convictions like this is who I am. This guides me. And the reason that's so important are in the moments of of hot temperature or cold temperature. Um, Do we set the temperature of the room or does the temperature set the, the, uh, the, the itself for us? 
And if we're in a temperature, a hard situation, a hard circumstance, a hard pressure, um, does that set our values or do we allow our values to determine the temperature of the room? So the question I want to answer today, I want you to be thinking about this, is what are the values of my heavenly father? What are the, what are the family values of God's family? And am I living into those values? Um, the thing about values is that values are more caught than taught. How many of you guys have noticed that? Values are more caught than just taught. I was carrying my son out to the car this morning and he like copies everything. He copies my, my daughter novella. When novella throws something, he'll throw something. When she goes to get a snack, he goes, knack, knack. He wants a snack. Um, when she does a somersault, he does a somersault. He wants to do everything Lella does. Lella, Lella, Lella. He follows around. And then with me and mom, he'll, he follows us around. If we're having a, a tense discussion, he'll start having a tense discussion with us. You know, we can see ourselves mirrored in him. And I was going out to the car this morning and uh, I was taking whiskey out to go potty and um, we're about to get in the car and I, was, I went like this. I went, whiskey and I whistled again and and he looked at me he goes iski my dog's name is whiskey he goes iski and he he was copying me he was imitating me values are caught more than they're just taught we can say things with our words but our kids learn from us and we are we are kids in God's family sons and daughters And the more we're around the Father, the more we're in his arms, the more we learn how to act and be and behave and how to think and how to speak in the family values of God. So, you guys ready for um, our our primary text? We're going to be looking at some scripture in Galatians that go over what I think are great family values in the family of God. Now, if you read the Bible, there are tons of uh, values that we could, we could list out. And there, there's a few areas of scripture I think that are really amazing, like in Colossians chapter 2, uh, Romans chapter 12. Um, in Galatians 5, I think it's so helpful. There's nine uh, values or virtues or what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to be looking at those. And I think it's really helpful before we get into this passage, you can turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 19. And as you're turning there, you can follow up on the screen behind me. I think it's really, really important to understand that Paul is contrasting two families, two family values or two sets of family values. There's the family values of of being led by the spirit and there's the family values of being led by what he calls the flesh or the sinful nature. The sinful nature uh, the flesh are basically when we say, okay, flesh, like my belly or my stomach, you lead me and then you can't stop eating or like your desire to be seen um, and loved by people. You want to please people. And so you let, you, you're more worried about your image to other people than you are to the people who are most important to you. Or you're more worried about your image in front of others than your image to God, what you really look like. So people like eating disorders or high anxiety disorders happen because people are always worried about pleasing others. And so those are like what Paul would call fleshly desires. And when you have a family that's led by the flesh rather than a family that's led by the spirit, you have, you have a totally different set of values. And it looks totally different. So Paul gives us two pictures. One, a family that's led by the flesh. It's a thermometer family. It kind of rises and lowers depending on the temperature of the room. And then he gives us a picture of a spirit-led family that's like, it's like a thermostat. It, It sets the tone wherever it's at. 
It's not led by the temperature of the room. So here we go. This first picture is, starting verse 19, is the picture of the, of the family led by the flesh or the sinful desires. It says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, like, and again, that's your appetites for maybe food and it's over the top. Food's a good thing, but when that becomes the most important thing, you've, you're, you're living led by the flesh. Or if sexual desire becomes more important um, than, than anything else, all of a sudden that starts leading you. Or if your need for control or power uh, it starts leading you, that, it's a fleshly desire. It's a sinful nature. And the results are very clear. He says the results of this are super, super clear. In a family that's, that operates this way, the values are like this. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality, like sex is a gift from God. But it was given within a design, within boundaries by God. And when we go outside those boundaries, it's like God created this river, this beautiful gift uh, of sexuality. And when we go outside those boundaries, it like unleashes a flood. And a flood is powerful, but it causes damage and destroys. So a good gift from God gets turned into something that can damage. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures like we were talking about earlier. Verse 20, it says, idolatry. Idolatry, if I could put it simply, is worshiping another god. It's turning a good thing into a god thing. Man, I love food to like, I have to have food. It's like, I have to have it. Um, I have to please people rather than like, I like to please people, but I rather, my most important mission is pleasing God. So turning a good thing into a god thing is idolatry. And then it says sorcery. Um, there's a few of you that are really heavy into this, I'm sure. When I read this, I'm like, I know this was serious at the time, but like the word sorcery is just, it, it, it kind of made me chuckle a little bit, like, you know, people doing, you know, like little sorceress things. But like in the, in the city I grew up, like witchcraft was a really big thing. We had white witches and dark witches and, you know, uh, and everything in between, and they would practice witchcraft. And sorcery was like a big deal uh, in, in some of the areas of Paul's ministry. But notice this. Sorcery, witchcraft, like actual worship of satanic things and demonic gods, is put in the same list as these other issues. Hostility, quarreling. Isn't that a funny word? Quarreling. Was, you know, I'm going to start using that with my wife when we start having a, a discussion. I'll be like, honey, we, we're not supposed to quarrel. Quarreling's bad. I think that's going to make her mad, even more angry if I use the word quarrel. Um, but quarreling is in the same list as sorcery, like witchcraft. Uh, jealousy, that you become envious of somebody. And that jealousy starts ruling your heart. That is as big a deal and as divisive and as, as harmful and toxic as, as sorcery and, and witchcraft. Outbursts of anger. Any of you guys have outbursts of anger in your life, in your family, in your church? When I grew up, I went to a church that... I was old, it's like a hundred and something years old, and there was a there's an old there's a business meeting, and uh, and an old guy who had known another old guy, I just knew him as all his old guys. We got mad at each other because once walked him and said, "Hey Jack, you can't be sitting on that table. You don't tell me what to do," and just popped him. I mean, just outbursts of rage, you know? Like, it wasn't a good biz- business meeting unless there was some kind of, you know, outburst of rage. And it's like, Paul's saying, this isn't how God's family acts. Like, this is so immature, and that's crazy. 
selfish ambition like you have to win and you your job or your like you you have to have your way and you have to be successful and and ambition isn't bad unto itself but self-centered ambition begins to put it, it here's what begins to happen in my eyes that I've seen is that um things become more important than people and people begin being treated like they're things, like they're commodities, when selfish ambition starts to take over. And in a church, in, a, in God's family, uh, Paul's like, this is, you can't take on these values of the world, these fleshly values. Dissension and division. Division, divisiveness, where people are divided and angry and hurt and won't talk together, won't patch things up and they're divided or they like to divide people and they find ways of, well, you hear about this person spreading gossip or they, or they tear others down or whatever it might be. They're acting divisively. Have you ever had that in your family where there's been division and like family members don't talk for years over like some stupid thing? I mean, sometimes it can be over a big deal, but often it's over dumb stuff. That's in the same list as sorcery. You have some dude in a, you know, like a Merlin's cap, you know, practicing, practicing sorcery, and Paul's looking at him, and then he's looking at, like, just a jerk, someone who likes to quarrel, or someone who's jealous, or someone who's selfish ambition. He's like, that jerk is just as bad as Merlin over here. Isn't that funny? Kind of. Some of you guys are like, it's painful. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Notice it, it says wild parties, not just parties. So if you have a party today, that's okay, but wild parties. The actual term that it's getting after is orgies. I don't even like saying that word up front. Uh, if you have any question about what those are, you can talk to Pastor Scott. He can. <laughs> we'll keep moving. Um, <laughs> but like drunkenness and all that kind of stuff, that's, that's, that doesn't have a place in the family of God. And other sins like these, he's like, I'm not giving you an exhaustive list. I'm just giving you an example of what a family led by the flesh looks like. And let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not living like the, the family of God. And sometimes we need to look at our life and does it look more like the fleshly, worldly desires that we're led by the world and our desires of our sinful nature? Or are we led by the Spirit? of the living God. But here's the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the family that's led by the Spirit. This is a family that's a thermostat, not a thermometer. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. The Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The Spirit of God. And I'm a pastor, so I would love to go into doctrine and theology. But if I could put it really simply, it's God's empowering presence in the world. That God wants to fill you and I individually with his presence so that we know what God wants. We have a sense of what's right, and what's wrong, what's good, what's, what's evil, and we're, we, we have a guidance of God in our life. And then the spirit of God's at work in the world around us, in the family of God, and people around us. And he wants us to be aware of that. And just like many of us, you know, we're in here and we can see by the light or the dim light that's around, but many of us can't see the ultraviolet light. Many of us don't know the, uh, the magnetic waves that are going. There's so many different um, types of light or types of waves that are going on in the world around us that we're not aware of because our eyes can't pick up on it. God wants us to be aware of the Spirit. And, and just like there's waves, you know, ultraviolet waves and, uh, and other types of light that we cannot see, 
there are spiritual realities going on that you can't see, but you can become aware of. The fruit of the Spirit, if you want to become aware of the Spirit, the, this is the fruit. This is the result of a life and a family living into the values of God. You guys ready? I mean, these, there are nine of these things, but I think they're so simple, but they're, they're simple, but they're not easy to follow. Here's what they are. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. I mean, just for a second, what if all the churches that love and follow Jesus across North America became simply known for being kind people? Like, what if across the board we're like, hey, we're, you know what? We might not agree on everything, but we're going to be kind to each other. We're going to be kind to the world. What would that do in our world and our communities? We were just kind people. It's, we're always trying to devise like these you know big strategies. How do we change the world? And like God's given us these like really simple plans. Like be kind, follow the Spirit. But it sure is hard sometimes for us, isn't it? It's hard for me. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the, the passions and desires of the old family and the sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Like, like you've, you've changed to a new family from the old family to the new family. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We have been made alive by the Spirit. We have been changed by the Spirit. In fact, Galatians 4, 6 says this, because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, which means Father. It really means Daddy. It means like we become His children. Abba was the, was the, the first word a child would use to, talk, to refer to his father. It's like for us, it's daddy. If you're a dad or you're a mom, mommy, like there's this, a child crying out, it, it knows it's in the family and the whole growing up of a child is learning the ways and the values and the life of being a family member. And we who have put our belief and trust in Jesus Christ are given the spirit. We are spirit-led people and a spirit-led people have um, spiritual fruit, we have fruit of the Spirit that, that begins to come out in our life. It says, it goes on to say in verse um, 26, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Don't go back in the old way of thinking. Don't go to the old family values. Um, we, at our church, we, we have foster families. And we serve um, um, foster families every year and throughout the year we serve those families. And I think Jesus has a, just a special place in his heart for foster kids, don't you think? Um, some of them coming from unimaginable circumstances with families that have patterns and values. Maybe they've picked up from their families and there's drug abuse and there's all kinds of abuse, unspeakable abuse, hurt, pain, and then these kids, with the, with the Olive Crest, the organization we work with, they actually will place kids in a, in a family that has healthy, godly values and take, pull them out of that. And then they'll come alongside the toxic family and they'll help that family grow so that, because the goal is trying to restore them 
It doesn't always happen, but that's the goal. Isn't that beautiful? One of the things um, with friends I've known who have adopted and, and good Christian leaders who have adopted, one of the things they'll talk about is just the shift from the, the child being adopted from this old family and learning the new family values. And they can be coming from the just most toxic stuff, you guys, where it's just like so much harm, so much hate, so much stuff has been poured onto them. They don't deserve it. And, but they come from that dysfunction and they come into a f- something more functional. It's not saying that these families are perfect, but they're coming to something that is markedly healthier for them. Can we agree? And the transition, they're so used to the old values that they resist the healthier new values. It's like their souls and their bodies have become so hurt and so broken that they, they can only exist in like the toxic fumes of this life. And it's like they go through almost a detox period and they'll have kids that will run away and hide or, or they'll act out and they'll act ugly and they'll act out of the toxicity of the old life. And it's like this journey that they're on where the family's like, no, 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 we love you. We don't do it that way. We do it this way. No, 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 we love you. And then they feel if they mess up and they're not loved because it's transactional and I have to do this so that I'm loved. And they're like, no, 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 you're loved for who you are because this is the family of God, amen? But it takes a long time. And if kids who are in a broken situation have a process and a journey to learn the values of the new families, wouldn't it take us just as long to come out of the brokenness that we come out of? Learning new families, that, new family values that the spirit starts leading us in? Wouldn't it be hard to start listening to the voice of the spirit rather than the voices and the voice of the flesh and, and, uh, the, and the darkness that's out there in the world? That's the journey we are on. And Paul is saying, Guys, here's a picture of the family of God. Here's a picture of heaven come down to earth. Let's start living this way. Like, let's give up the other stuff. It's killing us. It's killing you. That's Paul's heart for us. So, and it's for us. It's not for the individual. We're not supposed to keep, like, love and joy to ourselves individually. Like, yeah, I feel this for myself. It's for the family. When, when Paul's talking about being led by the Spirit in this passage, do you know what he's, the image he's drawing on? it? It's the people of Israel who were in the desert, a community, a family following the Spirit of God together. So I, I'd just like to go over a few of these, fruit of the Spirit, and then just leave us with a challenge. Is that cool? I want to make it really simple today. Love. That we're in a family of love. Galatians 2.20 says this, um, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus used his power not to gain more power for himself, but to serve us, to, to connect us to the Heavenly Father, to connect us to God's family. Jesus loved by serving it. Love is self-giving. Can you say that with me? Self-giving? self-giving I mean it's so it's so easy to think of love of, of, of like in our world what we can get from others or it's like a feeling it's it's we give Ima- imagine having the kind of love where we're giving that away to other people we're not worried about ourselves we're worried about others more than we are about ourselves Here, here's a, a amazing passage 
um, Galatians 5, 13 through 15. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your own sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Like love serves somebody else. It lays its own freedom down for somebody else. This is the difference between American values on liberty and life and happiness and Christian values, like actual Jesus values on, on liberty and freedom and happiness. Um, in our world, it's like we use our freedom to serve ourselves. I should be happy. I deserve to be happy. It's my right. And the way of Jesus says, no, like you have liberty and freedom so that you can serve somebody else. Because in God's economy or God's family, he, he says the healthiest families are the ones that say, I'm going to use what I got and what I've been given to serve you. And you're going to use what you got and what you've been given to serve me and to serve others. We're going to serve each other. Isn't that a healthier family than people like jealous and envious about what others have and using and keeping what they have for themselves? I mean, just think about it. Just on a basic logical level, which is healthier? It's obvious, isn't it? We want to be a spirit-led family. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Just love people. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. I, I really want to press into this for a moment, and then we'll just go through the rest of these. But this is so important. You can either be a, a family that is serving and loving one another or devouring one another. The, the imagery there is like Christian cannibalism, which is like kind of gross and disturbing, wouldn't you say? But it's so serious to Paul. He's like, this is how you will behave without the spirit. This is, how you will be, this is how your family will behave if you're not following Jesus Christ. If you don't have the spirit of God leading you, this is what will happen. There's a church that was up in Seattle. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but the apex of spirituality, the way they taught how to be spiritual, religious, good, and it was, it was coming from a good place, was to like know the right doctrines and primarily our job is to protect the faith and to protect what we know is true. So what they, what, what the, the primary spirituality was they, the, the leader taught his leaders to sharpen their knives and cut up other Christians and eat them for lunch. It was like some of you are like, really? Like no, spiritually I'm speaking, spiritually. So what would happen is um, sharpen their knives with their knowledge and their doctrine. And if someone was just a little bit off or a little bit like, we know the answers, and they would just slice and dice people up, eat them up, Christian cannibals. Or with our actions, our behaviors are more righteous, and so we sharpen our knives and we become really, uh, we behave the way we should in this family and we hit all the things we should do, and therefore we can tear people up. And it's good because it's truth. We're giving them the truth. And they were just slashing people up. That was the highest spirituality. And at the time, people were like, this is good. This is, what we, this is what we should be doing. This is biblical. And guys, there could be nothing more demonic than that. That the family of God would be devouring itself. A horrible image. But that's exactly, and the, the church doesn't exist anymore. And here's what happened. The pastor trained his leaders to slice and dice, to sharpen their knives and eat other Christians that didn't fit their view, their perfect doctrine or whatever. We'll put love on the side. We'll just go with truth, you know? And then the, after teaching them to sharpen their knives, they turned to him. And when he didn't fit, guess what happened to him? They slashed him up. 
the church does not exist anymore. A house divided cannot stand. We have to be a family of love. We have to say, no, love is our primary thing. We're not gonna burn people at the stake because uh, the doctrine's a little off. We're not gonna hate people because I disagree with them. We are gonna love. Can I get an amen? All right, let's walk through the rest of this really quickly. Joy. We're to be a family of joy. Always be full of joy in the Lord, it says. Rejoice in Philippians 4.4. This isn't like an ethical thing, like you should be honest and you should be loving or, you know, most of these are ethical kinds of things. You should be more patient. Joy is like, we have fruit. It's something that comes from within. My my, uh, my son, he just gets filled with joy when he sees his sister walk, walk in the door from school or from home. He goes, Lella, it's just joy. You can't command that out of somebody. You can't like make a law that says you will be joyful. You know, like uh, the, uh, the, the, the beatings will stop once morale improves on the, the good ship Whitewater. You know, it's not like that's gonna make you all joyful. Like joy comes from within. Joy is a change. It's a transformative thing. And it comes from seeing the goodness of God. And a a family that's joyful and that's loving is not going to devour each other. Peace, shalom, wholeness. We're to be a family of peace. Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up each other. We build one another up. We work things out. We don't just let things stay broken. We, We do our best to live at peace with everybody in the family. Because if we can't live at peace, if we can't love each other, what do we have to show the world? And the world's dying, you guys. It is, it is dying for a people, a community that, that actually lives in wholeness and shalom and peace. 1 Corinthians 14, says, God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. It means that we have priorities of peace. We know our priorities. Family of peacemaking. We're also to be a family of patience. And patience is like the passive aspect of love. It's like the tenacious part of love. It's like my dog, Whiskey, when he grabs one of his toys, I can, you know, I'll play fight with him and he'll be like, arr, arr. and then now he's strong enough, I'll lift him up. He'll even hang on, he won't let go. He's just like, he's just hung, hang on to this, this toy that he has. It's like, it's mine. And there's something about the nature of love that like needs to be tenacious. Would you agree? Like, like, I'm not going to let go. And like, there's a patience that like even can take a beating. And I'm not saying, I'm not advocating like the uh, abusive relationships that people should stay in. I'm saying that love has a quality that endures. It doesn't just give up easy and get, uh, go to the easiest thing or the next best thing. It says, no, even if you, even if you are struggling, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to let you beat up on me. I'm not going to let you beat up on other people, but I'm not going to give up on you. Amen? We're a a people of patience. Patience and and kindness really are linked together. Paul kind of links those together. Two aspects of love. Um, Kindness. A family of kindness. Active. It's an active aspect of God's love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love is patient and kind. It takes patience and kindness, and it says, this is love. Two aspects of love. One's more passive, it's patient, 
and one's more active. How can I meet a need? Uh, how can I help you? And kindness is, it's loving people well. It's meeting needs. And sometimes kindness is saying no to that desire. That's not good. Like eating candy every night is not a good thing. I could just say, yeah, you know, Novella, you can eat candy every night. Or that's what, you know, kind of gets me about uh, parenting in our, in our day and age where people will just say, yeah, do whatever you want. And I'm a really good parent because I'm letting them make all the choices for themselves, even when they're like three or four years old. Like sticking their hand in a blender is gonna be a really great choice. You shouldn't say anything. You should just let them choose. No, good parents, like we put boundaries around our kids as they grow in their decision-making ability. We shouldn't control them, but there should be coaching, right? Like that's, I love coming to church with our church family, with my kids. I don't give Wes at two years old an option. You feel like coming to church today, Wes? No? Okay, we'll see you in three hours. Novella, do you feel, like they're with us. And they're gonna be able to make those choices as they go, but they're with us. And there's coaching and there's love going on. I think that's so important. And and love helps people. It's kind to people. It, it, It empowers them. Goodness, we're to be a good family. We recently went to the beach and my daughter just had one of those bliss-filled moments where she just lost any awareness of other people. And, and there were these like, kind of like pools on the beach and she just ran, she's a water kid, man. She's just running through them, jumping in them like she would jump full bore and just like a long jump almost like boom and then hit, hit a puddle. Sometimes it'd be an inch and she'd be like, bam, hit the ground. Sometimes it'd be like a foot and she'd go into it. She just loved it and she'd get up and she'd be spraying water everywhere, just totally lost in this world. And I'm telling you, it was good. You know that kind of innocence, that kind of goodness? You're just like, this is so pure. God's character is utterly good. There's no evil, there's no shadow, there's no lack of integrity. He is totally and utterly good. And so when the Bible says he's our father, we don't have to kick against that because we had a bad father, because we have a good father. And man, we want to be a good, I want people when they come to our church and our church family, we're not perfect, but there's like a sense of goodness here. It's like being on the beach, watching someone be the, be the water kid, enjoying life, love, good. Faithfulness, we're to be a faithful family. We live out faithfully our, our, our trust and our faith. This isn't just saying, oh, I trust God once or I trust God twice. It's over and over, a walk of faith, following the Spirit together. It's not a Lone Ranger thing. Together, we're following faithfully through every temptation, through every trial, through every failure. We get back up and we walk over and over and over, trusting in him. We're faithful. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Faithful. And we're gentle. And these are the last two I think are so important. Gentleness. Gentleness. There's a humility there. Uh, Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. And so those two words, humble and humility, consider. Consider yourself, not that big a deal, and consider others as more important. Like, I'm here to serve them. I'm not here to serve me. There's humility and there's consideration of others. There's a gentleness. There's a power under strength. This is one of the hardest words to translate, this gentleness concept, but that's what it means. Then one of the best examples would be some of those men that, that watch our kids. Like there's, there's a, a team that watch the kids, but there's some big beast men 
that will come in. I'm, my little boy, Wes, I, I've seen some of those big guys holding little Wes in the most gentle ways. I mean, they're just so strong. They got these big old forearms. You know, some of them got grease under their fingernails, like men's men, and they're just gentle. What if our church was known for its gentleness? And not just from men, but women, everybody, in our words and our actions, gentleness and self-control. Galatians 5.13 says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve others. Be self-controlled. Man, if we could control our emotions, if we could control our, our words, if we could control our actions, if we could control our thoughts, wouldn't the world look so much differently? Like, self-control is important, you guys. We need to be able to master ourselves before we go out pointing other people Uh, pointing out to other people what they should be doing. We have to learn to gain some self-control. Self-control with what we post. I'm sure like God reads our social media and laughs because he's got a sense of humor. Like, did you see what this guy said? Like, you know what he did yesterday? He's telling all these people. Oh, you see like this self-righteous little prayer or this self-righteous little anger thing, this blow up. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm sure we make him laugh all the time. I put myself in that. We probably make him laugh all the time. Self-control is so important. So how do we do this? Galatians 5.16 teaches us how. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature, your flesh craves. Let the Spirit guide you. Sometimes we, we read these fruit of the Spirit and we're like, okay, I'm going to go do this. And we like get in our best tree pose and we're like, I need gentleness. God, you know, and there's the fruit that bursts. And we're like, look at Spirit, what I did. And we're like trying to do it for the Spirit. And we're like, and then I'm less angry. And then we do this fruit thing, but the fruit's never going to last and it's not that good. Yeah, and then we're trying to produce the fruit on our own. And this says, be led by the Spirit. Be filled by the Spirit. We're, we're like these trees that are planted and we can either be absorbing the life-giving values and love of the Spirit or the flesh. So we can't do this on our own. You can't do it on your, on your own. I can't do it on my own. We can't do it on our own. We have to be a community that's led by and filled by the Spirit. So here's my invitation to you today. First, would you spend some time this week asking God to reveal where you could grow more fruit of the Spirit and ask the Spirit, Spirit, would you help me grow in these areas? If you need to grow in patience, God's got all kinds of ways to make you grow in patience. He will put all kinds of slow people in front of you that week. You will be driven nuts by this. The other thing, um, Pastor Danny had a great suggestion. She said, what if, you know, we're talking about family and we're talking about, you know, you know, through the spirit and encouraging each other, loving one another. If we want to grow together in unity as a, as a people of God, do, does that sound good? We, this is what we want. This month, what if we took the practice of encouragement and we wrote encouragement cards to each other or texts if you're more text savvy or message, whatever it is. Or if you're like super old school and you like to talk to people, you can even do that. <laughs> but what I want you guys to do is I want you right now to be pr- just in the quietness of your heart as we go into worship, start praying, God, would you bring somebody to my heart? Spirit, would you, would you bring someone to my heart and mind that I could write a note to? And out on your seats, there should be notes they're actually letters. You can actually write them and you can send them or you could give them to somebody. If, you, if someone took like all of them on your seat, you can grab one. Uh, there's a table in the back with these cards. And during the song, would you grab one of these and start praying, God, who do you want me to encourage? 
And today, or at the latest tomorrow, get that note out to somebody. Let them know maybe you see some fruit of, the, of joy in their life or faithfulness or patience or just something you, you see the Spirit doing in their life to encourage them because we want to grow together here. Amen? So let's do that. As we sing these next two songs, let's do that. And then I'm going to come out and I'm going to pray. Uh, we're going to have our offering, but I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for the people that God puts on your heart that we would grow together um, before we, we head out today. Um, let, me, uh, let me pray and we'll sing. Heavenly Father, just thank you for this family. Thank you for your spirit. Would you lead us and help us grow in your family values? Would you lead us to be loving and patient and kind and good and faithful and self-controlled? Lord, would you help us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.